You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. As we've been going through the Mishnah of Pesachim, we've been noticing that the Mishnah is continually referencing um, other korbanot. So, in other words, the the issues about cham, I mean, we know that the Pesach is a korban. Of course, we know that. But the Mishnah is perpetually referencing questions of chametz and matzah against other kinds of offerings. It's a theme that runs through the Masachet. And today we're going to look at a definition of the kinds of grains which can be used to make matzah. And we're going to find, by the way, that the grains that can be used for matzah are the same grains that can be used for chametz, and actually the same that can be used for challah. And I just want to remind you, so I thought I would remind you just to start off with, of a Mishnah in Chalah, which we learnt a few months ago. Chamishadvarim chayavim ba Chalah. Five different species are subject to Chalah. And then there's a list. Wheat, barley, it's spelled oats and rye. These are the five famous grains for which the, the land of Israel is famous, and they're subject to Chalah. And... By the way, the Mishnah in Chalah then goes on to say, goes on to mention Pesach. The second Mishnah in Chalah goes on to say, If you eat an olive-sized quantity of them on Pesach, you fulfilled your obligation. And then, If an olive-sized piece of chametz one is liable for karet, for cutting off, whatever that means. So the Mishnah in Chalah essentially articulates this triangle between Chalah, Chametz and Matzah. And this triangle is based around the five species. So as we go back to our Mishnah of Psachim, we're going to... Um, we're going to come back to this. There, we're going to come back to this triangle, and we're going to find a copy in the Mishnah Pesachim of this list. And there is a pasuk, by the way, for this in Devarim. We have a pasuk: Lo You shouldn't eat anything leavened on it. This is eating with the Pesach sacrifice. Lo You shouldn't eat chametz. Shivat yamim matzov. Seven days you eat unleavened bread. Again. In the Torah, we have this, this uh, parallelism between stuff, between chametz and matzah. There's a, they, they go together, chametz and matzah. So let's have a look at the Mishnah now. We're in Mishnah 5, the fifth Mishnah of the second chapter. And it's a copy of the Mishnah that we just read in Chala. Eilu dvarim she'adam yotzeh bahem yedei pesach. And here's the list. Bechitim b'sorim b'kusmin b'shifon these are the things that they fulfill their obligation with on Pesach, with wheat, with barley, with spelt, with rye, and with oats. And then we might, then the Mishnah is going to investigate the, if you like, the type of ownership, the Yotzen, the, uh, well, the type of ownership, the status, let's say, let's say the halachic status of these things. The Yotzen, Bidmai, 
ומעשר ראשון, שניטלה תשומה, ומעשר שני, והקדש שנפדו, and that people fulfill the obligation with demai, that's food that we bought from an amharetz, from someone who doesn't take tithes carefully, and it, let's say it's doubtfully tithed. It, it, it's doubtfully tithed. I mean, strictly speaking, we need to retithe it, but the, the, it's a, it's, it's a derabbanan, so we can fulfill the mitzvah with it. With first tithe, whose truma has been separated, so this is maseri shon, it's been given to a levi, and the um, uh, the trumat maser, the special truma that the levi separates for the coins being separated, and with maser sheni or, or sanctified properties that's been redeemed, because once we be redeemed it, we can you know we can fulfill our obligations. And by the way, priests can fulfill their obligation with chala and truma. They are kohanim truma because priests can obviously. Um, um, they can they can eat chala and truma, so they can fulfill their obligation with chala and truma, but not with untithed produce or with first tithe whose truma has not been separated, or with second tithe or sanctified property that's not been redeemed. And that's a copy, by the way, of the list that we we learned a few weeks ago in Eruvin. Look, in Eruvin, we were talking at the beginning of the third chapter. We were talking about the kinds of things that we could make an Eruv out of. Remember, we learned that the Eruv is the food that we share in order to establish the Eruv. It's not the string around the city, it's the food. And exactly the same Mishnah, they make an Eruv with Demai, with first tithe from which Truma has been taken, with second tithe, with concentrated food that's been redeemed, priests with Chala and Truma. We've, yeah, we've seen this Mishnah in Eruvin. And now, with regard to the food that we can use to make an Eruv, and now we're seeing exactly the same Mishnah in Pesachim for the food that we can use to fulfill our obligation with. And then at the end of the Mishnah in Eruvin, remember there's a discussion about agency. Can you send your Eruv in the hands of someone who doesn't really have capacity, the deaf, mute, the imbecile, or the minor? And in Pesachim, we're going to segue off into um, not so much a well it, it is still a question of agency and intent but in a slightly different direction so we segue off into the question of intent and agency but in a different direction so halot todal rukike nazir loaves of thanksgiving offerings and um, uh, loaves that have been made um, for a nazir offering so these are all going to be uh, matzah by the way if they've been made for a Toda offering or for a Nazarite offering, we can't use them because they've already been dedicated for a different purpose. If they've been dedicated for a different purpose, we can't use them to fulfill the mitzvah of eating matzah on Erev Pasach. But if he made them to sell in the market, then you know we can fulfill our obligation with them. The, the Gemara assumes that someone who makes food to sell in the market doesn't really make it for a specific purpose, but assumes it might be used for multiple purposes. And the Gemara is going to explain, the Gemara in um, uh, Pesachim, this is the Jerusalem uh, Talmud, the uh, Talmud Yerushalmi, is going to explain in Pesachim this parallelism between the chala, the matzah, and the chametz. Amar Rabbi Manam. Rabbi Manam said, um, I went to Caesarea. 
as one does, as we still do. And I heard Rabbi Ahava ben Zaor who said, this is Rabbi, Rabbi Ahava now saying, he said, my father said, in the name of Rabbi Ishmael, and now he's going to bring a Gezerah Shabbat, Ne'mar lechem ba'pesach, ve'ne'mar lechem ba'chala. Bread, the word lechem, the word bread, lechem, is mentioned in the context of Pesach, and the word bread, lechem, is mentioned in the context of chala. And we could bring the, we could look at the Pesukim if we had time. Then he goes on to say, Ma lechem she'ne'mar ba'pesach, devar shehu ba'lidei matzah, just because, just as the bread, which is mentioned, the Passover is something that can be either matzah or chametz. Shehu de matzah vechametz. Af lechem shenema b'chala devar shehu de matzah vechametz. Similarly, the bread which is mentioned in the context of chala is something that could be either matzah or chametz. These three things, they all go together. And now he explains, Uvadku, and they they checked Umatsu Sha'inlach Balide Matsa that sorry Umatsu Sha'inlach Ba Lide Matsabe Khamet Ayla Khameshit Haminin Bilavad. Only that these five kinds of grain are the only five kinds that can be both matza and chametz. These are the only five kinds of grain that can be made uh, matzah and chametz. Ushar kol other kinds of grain, einan ba'in lidei matzah, they don't make matzah, vechametz or chametz, eila lidei sirchon, they just become spoiled. We talked about this before, that the idea that, of course, if you have your matzah, you just made your matzah, but you leave it hanging around too long, it becomes chametz. Yeah, chametz is a bit like matzah that's been left hanging around too long. Just like leftover sacrifices, which are which become forbidden, are kosher sacrifices that have been left lying around too long. Yeah, chametz is something that's been is, is something that was holy, but it's been left lying around too long. And this is the um, essentially the equation that this is the equation which the Gemara seems to be circling around when it brings out the triangle of chametz of matzah and of chala and the mishnah then goes on having discussed what you can eat to fulfill your obligation for matzah on erev pesah it's then going to go on to talk about the obligation of bit of herbs, and of course, there's another pasuk. There are famous, famous pasuk which comes in the Haggadah. They'll eat the meat on that night. This is the Pesach sacrifices. Sli'eshu matzot, roasted and matzot. Al murorim yochluhu. They will eat it on bitter herbs. So the matzot and the bitter herbs go together, and. Our Mishnah that says, look, these are the five kinds of grain that you can use to fulfill your obligation of matzah is then paralleled with the Mishnah that says, look, these are the herbs 
with which you can dis discharge your obligation for bitter herbs on Pesach. And actually, we should count them up. Are there five? There's lettuce, chicory, wild chicory, picuri, and sorry. Yeah, there are five. So we have five species of grain, and we've got five species of herb. So these two Mishnayot, the Mishnayot of the grain and the Mishnayot of the herbs are indeed parallel mirror image mishnayot. The elu yirakotshi adam yotzebaham yidei chovatam pesach. These are the vegetables that a person fulfills his obligation on uh, at pesach time. Bachazeret uvulashin uvetamcha uvercharchavina uvemaror. So chazeret. Well, most people actually say that's lettuce. With chicory, that's all shin. The tamcha is some kind of wild chicory, or the rambam says it's some kind of special bitter coriander, actually. The charchavina is translated as picridium, but I actually don't know what it is. And maror is, uh, I mean, a maror means bitter, but in this translation, it's, it's, a, it's a plant called sonchus. And I'm, I'm sorry I haven't had time to find you photographs of these, but we could find photographs of them. And the Mishnah is going to continue. They fulfill their obligation whether they're moist or dry. So we can have an old vegetable, a dried out vegetable, to fulfill our obligation on Pesach. Aval, this is really important. We, we can't preserve them or stew them or boil them. In other words, we have to eat these things raw. They could be a bit dry, but they're raw. And they combine to the size of an olive, which most people will say is about 25 mil, actually. So, uh, uh, yeah, about 25 mil. Half, it's half, I mean, halakhically, it's half an egg. And an egg, an egg is actually about 50 mil. So they combine to the size of an olive. That is to say that if you had different kinds of herbs, you could have a little bit of each kind of herb and they would combine up to make the size of an olive, and you'd, you'd fulfill your obligation. <clears throat> um, and you can fulfill your obligation, you can the same list, really. You can use Demai, you can use first tithe from which Truma's been separated, and um, property that's been redeemed. Maybe I will stop there. We usually do three Mishnayot per day. But, you know, these are really quite fundamental and they're quite long. These two parallel Mishnayot about the grains and the herbs. And it's fascinating that they are mirror images one of the other. So maybe we will stop here and we'll learn about other issues, uh, Bran, when we attack the next Mishnah. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.